0: Welcome, friends and fiends, to a holiday episode of Colton Classic Podcast. And yes, you're hearing a podcaster say the word holiday podcast episode, even though that is usually the death knell because people are like, I'm not going to listen to a Thanksgiving episode in March. Well, you should, uh, because this isn't Thanksgiving. This is Thanks Bitching Special here at Colton Classic Podcast. Um, it's a time where I'm going to ask uh, myself and two of our longtime excellent contributors uh, these two questions. What is something uh, from your youth for TV and movies that you are super glad is still going strong uh, or has, has upgraded somehow? And what is something that you uh, uh, is, is not, present from your childhood that you wish was, or something that changed that you hate. Uh, So, and some variation of those. And what is a TV show or film that exemplifies each of those questions for you? So this is a cursed episode, uh, as several in our history have been, meaning that it is uh, not the first time we have tried to record this episode. Uh, Technical difficulties plagued the first recording. Luckily, I wasn't too much of a a stress, Uh, but you know what, tis the life of uh, content development. So we are bringing this to you here. And the good news is, is that it is streamlined since I've already done it once. I'm your host as always, Nate Wyckoff, film critic and comedian. With me, I have longtime contributors, Jeff Tucker. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm good, except I'm re-going through puberty. I, that joke landed, even though I just heard it 15 minutes ago, I really, it's true, you're a little crackly, uh, but I'm glad to have you here. And also Mandy Longley, how are you doing Mandy?
1: I'm really good, but I seem to be suffering from some deja vu today.
0: Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I mean, people say it's a coincidence. Um, Anyway, I'm going to dive in and I will just give you my two cents on these questions first. And uh, I am going to vary the question that I gave a little bit uh, about childhood things that I love that are still going. And it's actually something that I don't didn't have a lot of. They didn't have a lot of in my youth, the, the '80s era, which is folk horror. I love that there is this trend towards folk horror now, uh, where things that the focus is more on some interesting facet of human development in life, whether it's scientific basis or just fully cerebral psychological basis, um, historical. These are movies that are often slow burns. Sometimes they have action and violence, but really it's about the atmosphere and bringing this stellar vibe and environment to our brains. Um, I have some great examples is 20, uh, 2021's Gaia, which you can listen through our Minnesota um podcast catalog to hear my review of. I absolutely loved that film. You can buy it, stream it, watch it now. Uh, Also 2020's uh, Gretel and Hansel. I really liked that movie. We covered that in uh, an episode on witches uh, for this podcast. Um, I think that this sort of play with literal folk tales in that uh, is, is very apt for the this folk horror segment. And we also have um, 2021's very recent just now on streaming Lamb, which is another film I I really love. It's 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 more focused on telling a story in a unique atmosphere based on s- some hu- both human societal and interpersonal needs, like relationship, parenthood, these things, but also sort of Scandinavian mythology and it's just absolutely beautifully done uh, i think it's it's absolutely worth the watch and then of course folk horror sort of really hit the mainstream with uh 2015's the witch by robert eggers with anya taylor joy and then you can go to his uh lighthouse the lighthouse film with robert pattinson and willem defoe as well just really great stuff that's something that i am super super grateful for uh being present now versus my childhood where um, i love you know slasher flicks and monster movies monster movies really are my bread and butter uh science fiction films but there's something to be said for folk horror that is just really of the mind uh and it just puts you in these strange places that i find more enticing than any other genre so i'm glad that's there i'm gonna follow it up with something that i dislike now versus when I was young and this one I've touched on a little bit before um, and there are many detractors from my opinion on this uh, but I really dislike the overly flashy sort of I think vapid presentation of a lot of visual props and elements uh, in some really popular horror films now and I'm sticking in horror because I do think it is the most sort of temperamental of genres. It really has ups and downs. Movies are really great or absolutely terrible. Um, There's very little middle ground. And what I'm talking about with these visuals is it's something that's and it's not just with horror, but it's something that's really prevalent in a lot of the James Wan f- films right now. Uh, Malignant, which I did not enjoy. You can listen to my review on that. Certainly there are different takes on it, uh, but the props such as the knife made out of the, um, the award, which by the way, no one gets an award for that. Uh, that was silly, but it just, it looks like a toy. It's too clean, it's too crisp. It's just, it's not real. Um, and I think some sort of reality should be there. And it's the same with the Conjuring films. The haunted houses look so much like haunted houses that it's unbelievable that they're even there. Um, I've lived, uh, my folks have a 200 year old home in uh, New England, and it does not look like that. Uh, it is is—it is overly, these, these sets and things are overly produced. It doesn't mean they're not excellent artistry wise, but It looks like a collectible I would purchase from Sideshow, not something that I'm expecting to have some grounding in reality on screen. I really don't like that. And it's something that low budget pictures often uh, get away with not having because they don't have the budget. Uh, I think a a really excellent example of this sort of over shiny of things is um, uh, 2016's warcraft film based off the video game by duncan jones uh it's a much reviled film um we'll talk about it on this podcast in more detail at some point in time uh but it, it, everything looks like a cosplayer you know you'd be if you saw it in uh in a rec center during a comic convention or a game convention you'd be like wow that was really cool you made that is that foam that's really awesome But when you see it on screen you're like wow it looks like a cartoon and you're trying to invest like uh real human emotion into real people on stage who are dressed in something that's almost comical. Uh, it just doesn't work. Uh, and of course, there were other problems with the film as well. But that that's a real big one. Uh, I think uh, this, I'll touch on this again, when Jeff brings up uh, his pairing, I think. And we're going to move there right now. Uh, Jeff, what is your answer to these two questions? What's something that uh, has progressed uh, from childhood that you absolutely love is still present or even better? And what's something uh, from childhood with TV and films that uh, is really disappointing or uh, makes you angry? All right. So, uh,
2: you know, I watched a lot of anime when I was younger. Um, You know, uh, they're still making a lot of great anime today. Um, You know, I have unfortunately not watched a lot of it, but, you know, it's and there's a lot of popular stuff uh, springing up. Um, and like the old stuff that I used to watch is coming up on <clears throat> streaming services. <clears throat> um, and, you know, it feels really good. And I'm glad another generation is going to be able to experience these things. <clears throat> um, what I, I guess I'm not thankful for is um, them kind of trying to do cash grabs with stuff like a live action Cowboy Bebop. Like it's unnecessary Um, obviously got greenlit because Mando was very popular Um, and it's kind of in a similar theme. They thought they could kind of run on that um, kind of genre and make, you know, maybe make some money off of it. Um, But it's not very good. Um, I would, um, I'm just going to do this quickly because my voice is failing me. Um, The characters are not the characters from the show, um, the original show they rewrote backstories for spike um Faye is you know completely different character Faye's not like a comedic character um but they tried to make her more quippy um and um, uh, jokey um you know one of like one of the things that made fay really interesting was she was a wild card you didn't know if she was going to steal all their money and run away or she was going to come and save the day she could do anything um, in in this version, she's like, you know, just kind of a genial, um, you know, very supportive, you know, nice person. Um, and it doesn't even, like, you know, doesn't even come close to the original character. Um, you know, the, the original had, you know, basically a ship full of people that irritated each other. They didn't like each other very much. Um, and it created a lot of interesting dynamics. And, you know, you're like, is this crew just going to shatter? You know, like, why are they together? It it uh, it kind of was, in a way, a glue for the show, if not a glue for the ship. Um, they kind of, like, got rid of all of that. Um, you know, like, Jet is a misogynist. I kind of wish they had just kept it that way and then maybe had him face that reality rather than just being like that doesn't exist you know um uh you know like Faye's too sexy we're gonna we're gonna make her you know we're gonna change her outfit and we're gonna write her so that she doesn't flirt or have like any of these type of things in fact there's a scene where um the female mechanic who's like working on a ship is flirting with Faye and she's like oh golly gee gosh what is sex and it's just like it's like really frustrating because the, you know, the fake character I know would be flirting back. Uh, you know, there would be some sort of interplay. Um, it literally goes from gee gee golly, Josh, what is sex to uh, the next scene with them being in bed together, having presumably just had sex. And you're just like, does she ha- like, w- did she enjoy this? Was there like, was this like consensual sex? Like what what is her feelings about it? Like, did she enjoy it? like you know there's like it doesn't even um like it it doesn't seem like they knew what they were going for it looks like they were checking off lesbian on like this woke checklist um and then they just moved on there's no romance there's no lust there's no sexually charged element to it it was like something you'd get from the disney channel um,
0: well and the sad thing is just to add to is we see that a lot, and when you when you have this flat interpretation of you know uh, of people with who aren't straight, white, etc., um, it does a disservice. You think on paper that you're doing something good, but what you're actually doing is you're marginalizing it even more. You're marginalizing uh, marginalizing people of of, of um, uh, who aren't who are queer, and you're saying, um, huh, yeah, their identity is this. Um, when really that's ridiculous. They need to be a person first and everything yeah, yeah. else is second. I mean, nobody wakes up in the morning going, I'm straight. Uh, and if you are, first off, you're probably not straight. That's a weird thought to have, um, But or I'm queer. You know, you're waking up and you're like, I am me. And then the rest of the world gets involved uh, and, and, and starts to tell you what you are. And then you kind of have to de- navigate that. Um, and I also have been very upset with this live action, mm-hmm. Uh, interpretation, and I feel like a lot of people were very excited for it and thinking that it looked great, and I immediately, uh, not to play the I knew better, but it had all the signs of things being wrong. Um, yeah. For example, the focus being so much on the visual, um, it's nice when things look like they do in the, sh- in the cartoon or comic, but that's actually often a sign that the focus was wrong, because um you talked in the cursed version of this episode that didn't record properly um you mentioned how you don't follow
2: along with the critics uh of of uh
0: yeah they didn't, they
2: didn't like uh, weird science a big titted you know like action choreography uh you know person that can do lines uh into existence out of you know some sort of cartoon uh they casted a real person um yeah. Yeah, and there is like a lot of people out there that are angry about the cast because it's like, oh, she doesn't look like Faye. You're like, and it's just like, you know, no person does, no right. person that can act. And if <laughs> and if they and if they did and
0: they were cast as it would distract from the reality of the character. Like you wouldn't be paying attention to her. Uh, it, it wouldn't even necessarily be a sexual thing. It's a bizarre thing. I mean, her animated outfit yeah. is ludicrous and physically impossible. So, but, you know, it's just when you focus on stuff like that, both- on on two sides when you say it's not important at all it makes fans angry because we have associated with these characters in a certain <laughs> way and recognize them but you also if that's your main focus then the story suffers like you said rewriting characters completely is not there's no reason for it then um why would you even make this sequel it does make it feel like a cash grab as you said
2: it's um, it well it's it's also like i i did read like one qu- like quote from one of the cast members like they felt like they were like fixing Cowboy Bebop. And, and I think that if you go into something being like, this is flawed, we need to fix it. You're, you've already failed. Like right. you can't, like, you have to be like, we love it. It's got a lot of works. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to restore this. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. we're not going to paint over it. Um, Cause you're, 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 you've already failed. <laughs> you think you're going to do that. Um, like, for example, um uh i i would argue um like one of the cores of the show is its serial format right mm-hmm. every single episode is its own kind of unique story most of them are cases right so there's a, a there's self-contained yeah, there's, narrative structure correct like yeah and like they pulled kind of like a couple of them like they did eco terrorists they did uh, lefou like i love lefou right like uh uh, Pero, uh, he's like the mad Pero. He he's like he doesn't have much dialogue. He's not really an interesting character from that sense, but he is so fun to look at. Like the way he moves, he's like this big balloon, kind of like a cross between the Joker and Penguin, um, and like he kind of like floats around almost like zero grav, like bounces on one foot at a time. He, like the episode is so fun and so visual. Um, you can't, you cannot take that from a cartoon put in live action, right. like that was. They had so many storylines that were cerebral, you know, that yeah. were like, you know, the sad, uh, lonely satellite. Like, they could have done that episode. That one's really mostly, um, talking heads and talking and exactly silent like, staring. Yeah, you can, you can do that in a live action, you yeah. can't do LeFou, and they did, and it was terrible. Um, but like, but they didn't even give it an episode <clears throat> because the way the show is structured, it's one arc. <clears throat> it's a series. Um, it's a season long, um, arc rather than going and doing the, um, individual episodes and the show suffers because you, it, you can't use the source material <laughs> anymore. Like it doesn't, um, it doesn't tailor itself to that. There are no long, big arcs in, original yeah so it's all like original content and it's not very good um um, even if it was good it would still be like why did they do this like why not use some of the better stories from Mm -hmm. uh, the original Um, it's it's
0: interesting too i I just i urge people not there's there's uh, there's a a light side and a dark side to knowing a lot about film and television shows and starting to research things before you watch them. Um, I often go in blind to something that I'm interested in as much as possible because I like to not have that preconceived notion of what it might be. But at the same time, um, Cowboy Bebop, the, the triggers were all there for me to be concerned that it wouldn't be very well done. The visual yeah. focus, um, but also uh, Andre Nemec is the showrunner of this, an executive producer. And I'm, I'm not going after him personally. He's actually done some really fun television shows in his past. Uh, he worked on The Profiler, which was fun. A lot of people like Alias. But he also was a write, the head writer on, on the 2014 Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was not an effective story. It's just, it's a very by the numbers, not very good film. Um, you know, you've got the focus is not on the story and the script. It's got for, for for someone who stepped into Cowboy Bebop and was like, we need you know, essentially like you said, like let's fix this and make it the best it can be on social levels and things like that. Well, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was full of sexist garbage jokes and st- there's a, literally a scene uh, where the character of Fred just stares at Megan Fox's ass, like in her like literally just st- that's the joke and. You see things like that, and I'm like, that should never have made it into the movie. It never should have been there. And we could possibly, who knows, maybe it's Michael Bay's fault, because he's a sexist dumbass. Uh, And that's, you can quote me on that. Um, Come on for an interview. I'd love to talk to Michael Bay. Uh, But you see things like that, and I'm like, okay, I don't expect the level of depth of understanding of the content from that series with the showrunner because I don't know that he really sees the true value I'm not saying he's not smart enough to see it but I don't know that some writers see the value of character building stories like as you said the original anime it's episodic you know vignettes but the purpose isn't to tell this story The purpose isn't just to say, oh, this is a case. Here's how how they got it. Here's how they resolved it. The purpose is actually, let's use this story to give the audience more and more insights into how these characters uh, live, operate, and who they really are inside. So you get these snippets of them by watching these episodes of their life. And when you think that that's, um, when you just see an episodic episode from something like Cowboy Bebop, which has a lot of character development. And you say, well, we should make it an overall arc so we can show like, the characters growing. You're like, oh, you're missing the fact that they're using the episodic structure to give these characters.
2: Yeah. I would uh, actually go even further than that. So like, I think the reason this genre, like Mando, Firefly, uh, et cetera, et cetera, like this whole genre is episodic is because it's an adventure. Yeah. It's like an adventure show. You want to go to a location and stay there. Mm-hmm. Like you want it's you're going on an adventure with these people. You don't want to be bouncing around between storylines. It yeah. ruins the feeling of adventure. Um, you it's like um, is you know, Star Trek, you know, you, you go to Planet X and deal with XYZ problem, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you, you that the entire episode is in that you're going on an adventure to that place. Um, and and the location is almost a character in the episode in itself um and um you 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 know you get to like to know it and you um get to know the characters as they relate to um that environment and then they go to another environment um but if you're bouncing around it ruins that effect that you're like there with them that you're you're going on this adventure with these people um and so like this genre really tails itself and i'm not saying you couldn't do something where you're jumping around and doing an arc but i think that it like even star wars kind of follows that it's like we're here and we're here and then we're here Mm -hmm. it's 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 you're you're out in space and you can explore all this shit like go and explore something for me i want to see something new show me this cool new place um and like you never get that sense like we're exploring this world in the show because they're jumping between plot lines um yeah so regularly
0: and something else that i just want to say too, to to perhaps give some credit to uh to to andre Nemec as well um not to just bash on him for this is who knows how much influence uh netflix as a producer has on this because remember their structure they actually release the seasons as a whole so uh the episodic narrative structure is to some minds in that in that market is a danger. Because when you have a self-contained episode, you can watch it, be fulfilled, and then if you stop watching and do something else, you're not going to be like, what happened? That's what they think. I don't think it's really an accurate way to do it. If you have a well-written episodic series, people are going to binge it. But that's their logic. Their logic is, if you have an episode that's this sort of a beginning and an end, even if it adds to the overall effect of the show or the narrative, they're like, that's a danger. I want you to have um you know a a a big hang up at the end of every episode to tailor into the next episode and that yeah. doesn't lead for that kind of episodic thing I think of like the witcher that does which I loved uh the season 1 it does what it can to be episodic but the reality is is they really try and end every one with a, a big hang up teaser for the next one because they want you to watch the whole thing um so you know that's that's very possibly a a strong push by netflix and i think that your point that it sort of can be a huge disservice an artificial constraint um on on this sort of story and storytelling i i think you're i think it's absolutely true i think you need to tell the stories in the best way for that for that story versus whatever other constraints you have like um, yeah, you know, for sure. formatting. You know, think of the dark tower with um Idris Elba. Like uh everyone involved was pretty great, but it didn't matter because she took how many books uh from that were quite different uh, from Stephen King's saga and you made it into one movie. Yeah, you ended up making nobody happy, you know. Um yeah.
2: That's that's sort of the thing. So excellent. So uh, final word. <clears throat> um cowboy bebop the original, it's sharp, it's witty um you know it's got some rough edges some of it hasn't aged well it's gotten jagged over time uh you know you're gonna fall in love with it and it's gonna hurt you a little bit um and i think the modern version they they just grinded down all those edges to the point that it's boring it's just you know it's it's not sharp anymore it's not dangerous it's just safe and
0: the characters and wants, aren't real then, a, then right yeah yeah. You know, because I mean, everybody, we all have parents and grandparents and, and et cetera, and uh, we love them. But sometimes they say things that we know now is really not right. Um, and, uh, you know, most of them are, are do a very, I hope, do a very good job to sort of be conscious of how other people feel in the real world. But when you take this idea um, of, of wokeness and the idea of making things better for everyone, which I think is the idea of being woke, is a good one. But the fact, but yeah. when you try and take um, real people or characters that you want to be real and you sanitize them, it's not an effective way of doing that because that's not the world we live in. It's also not us. All of us, you know, yeah. it, it's that Avenue Q song. Everyone's a little bit racist. That's an example, right? We all have preconceived notions and reactionary thinking that we are constantly working if you're trying to better yourself to change. So when you take things like you said, um, making Faye a sterile character, it, by making her essentially seem asexual or or childish about sex is just a stupid misunderstanding of what it means to be a person. Um, yeah. That's not a good person. That's not a helpful person. That's a person who's damaged. That's a person who's uh, not real or, or has some other issues that needs to be working through. And if you're not gonna address it, You're not, you're not making anything better for anyone. There's nothing wrong with being hypersexual, just like there's nothing wrong with being asexual. But when you do that, because you, it's a reaction, uh, when you're creating something to what you think is a problem, now you're just making up solutions instead of finding
2: real ones. You know, you're you're not solving a problem. Um, write something new. Like if you have some better ideas of the way the world is and you can put it in an er air, write something new. Don't fucking sanitize something that has already existed here's um, an idea how
0: about you yeah. write a, a, a strong sexualized <laughs> female character who is still a person and interesting that and would be more new and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know um so interesting uh, uh and and on that note uh go listen to our episode on um ibiza undead uh zombie spring breakers uh and and watch that because aljana Lipkis's character uh is both the sexy and the capable one and and that's you know one of those few films where i'm like oh great awesome i didn't expect that and i love it uh so take that uh as, as writing advice okay we are going to move to our final uh contestant on today's game show uh thanks bitching mandy longley mandy what is something from uh, TV and movies in your in your youth that is either still there or made better that you appreciate?
1: So my answer, i you know, we're all making up our own way to answer this question. That so I'm true. just gonna interpret it in a completely different thing. So mine is definitely like a double-edged sword of everything streaming and being available all the time um and being able to do deep dives and research and see what other people think and having like imdb tell you everyone who's in the movie and like their whole histories and like just totally being able to nerd out like at a moment's notice on anything that interests you or you think will interest you and you know become like a expert overnight or whatever um but then the other so like i really like that that's available to us now and that has changed since we were youngins back in
0: the
1: 80s and 90s uh, where it was just this mystery or you saw something written up in like a teen magazine or i don't know like you happened to have like a film teacher at school that you could talk to about stuff um we had an amazing um english teacher in high school who did like some bits on film and like how they were written and shot and um what was important about that versus other forms of like li- like written literature um that was really cool but like there was like very kind of limited uh doors in to extensive knowledge about film or you had to get like a book from the library or whatever so i really like that about how that's changed since we were kids because if you want to know it you can know it now and you can find someone to talk to about it you can listen to a podcast like this um (laughs) uh, you know it it, the the possibilities are much broader um much more open but the other side of that is that I think as people, as human beings, uh, we've lo- also lost connection through that. And I, that's what I kind of bitch about or kind of shake my fist at <laughs> like as a person from an older generation, um, in, is that there's like a lack of anticipation for new episodes of shows coming out on a weekly basis. Or maybe you miss out on something like I remember missing out on shows because like we would have soccer like every Saturday at the time that like whatever oh, yeah. show is coming out and so your friends would tell you about were like oh, dude like I never get to see that because I'm always at soccer or Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts or something like shows on on Wednesday nights at six like I'm never home at that time like I, I don't get to watch the show and so like. But you don't you like you lose this anticipation you lose this ability to be patient for things to hold a thread for a long time um to catch up with your friends about it and like really kind of like deep dive in a different way about thoughts and feelings and perspective on an episode by episode basis over a period of several months but I think like we kind of lose, we have lost that. And like where it kind of remains is like movie theater releases. Like, when are you going, Are you gonna go first day. You're gonna like, don't, you know, don't spoil it for me. Cause I can't go until next weekend, um, that kind of thing. Like, like we do still have that in some effect but we're also losing that to this whole streaming, instant demand, instant gratification um, that we are just used to at this point in time. Um, So yeah. So that's mine. It's like double-edged sword. Like I'm glad to see it happen, but I do acknowledge that the losses that have also come with that.
0: Yeah. And I think, I I think that's a really good subject. And, uh, and I agree with you 100%, the same selection that you chose is both the good and the bad. And I don't, Think any of us really have the best answer? Because you're look our streaming services are still figuring it out, right? You look at, um, for example, Jeff mentioned Mandalorian. Uh, Disney Plus is still operating under the weekly release schedule for their series. So um, their Marvel TV series and their Star Wars TV series, et cetera, they release episodically rather than as a bulk. Whereas um, Netflix shows like Witcher and uh, uh, Cowboy Bebop 2021 and um, Hulu shows like Solar Opposites, they they release the entire season at once. And I love it, number one, as you said, because I like to be able to sit down and have it like, yes, I'm watching all of it. Like I can watch three episodes today and two tomorrow. But the reality is, is it is agonizing to have that massive gap um, where we used to have a smaller gap that still felt agonizing, but because between the seasons because it was spaced out. Whereas now um, for those type, you know, for the shows that I can binge, um, I think, I actually think it's kind of a double-edged sword for the, the streaming service, right? Because mm-hmm. I binge it and then I may not pick up the next season when it comes out because depending It'll on be the like show, I am no longer interested. Yeah. Um, and yet at the same time, uh, you know, HBO Max does episodic as well. So like um, if you're following Titans like I am to either see what they do excellently or when they completely tank an episode, um, which I give them credit for taking risks, you know, I do look forward to it, you know, and my wife and I actually that next day, like, I'm glad we don't have to watch it at a specific time, but having Ooh. it come out weekly. So, oh, it came out on a Thursday. Well, we have Friday. We can watch it Friday. That's really nice. And it does make for these really cool moments where we actually get to do something together that feels like a, a ritual you know people talk about how watching tv or movies whatever it's not you know it's just you're doing it by yourself even if you're with other people i don't totally think that's true i mean obviously because i run a podcast where we talk to each other about what we watch so i think that that's a mis- misunderstanding of what actually happens when we share uh, sort of a cultural element of a story etc um but I, I do, I don't know what's better. Um, I in my perfect world, if I had to make the rules, I like the idea of shows that are already complete, like they're finished, the season's finished. All of those should be streaming. Shows that are new, I like them coming out weekly because mm. I do like to get to watch them, you know, look forward to something. And when enough shows do it that I enjoy, then I actually do have something to watch all the time. And you know what it's like? It's like picking up. Of the brand new comics every Wednesday. You know what I mean? I get to read the next part of the story. Um, I get to, I get to be a part of it every week and it keeps it going for me. By the same token, I am completely a hypocrite because I no longer have the time and energy to go buy single issues of most things. So I mostly do the graphic novel collections, which uh, a lot of people complain about because that's where a lot of the money is made uh, in the comic industry right now. And so a lot of You know, DC has been working with different ways to do it where essentially you're getting it all at once instead of episodically. It's the same concept, um, just different of different delivery systems, which is better. So I don't think any of us really know what the best is. We all know what's the best for us at certain times, but even that, as you suggest, isn't always the same for one show to the next. Like I love and think I should be able to watch Every and any episode of Seinfeld now at any given time, mm-hmm. that is something I want to be able to do. At the same time, I, you know, we binge the new season of um, uh, Big Mouth on Netflix, and now have to wait ten thousand years for the next one. Whereas I would really love to actually watch, still be watching, and having new ones come every every week. So there's there's that. But I appreciate that input and. It'll, Listeners, let us know what you think. Write in uh, with answers to these questions yourself, um, suggestions on what you'd like us to talk about, complaints, um, how bitch about how many times Tad swears an episode. Whatever the case is, send us emails uh, to Colton Classic Podcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at Colton Classic Podcast, on Facebook.com sla- slash Colton Classic Podcast, and same on YouTube.com slash Colton Classic Podcast. I want to Send a big thanks again to everyone listening. Um, Share this with your friends. Tell your friends to watch it. Forward uh, our website link or, um, you know, whatever podcast platform you listen on, forward that link to people. It really helps us out. Write a review where you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, wherever, because those are the things that drive other people finding us. And it is so cool when other people find us and send us a note to say hey I love that you talked about this movie I hadn't thought about it in years or hey that's really cool but you're completely wrong which I'm open to um uh so send it our way thanks so much listen next week to a brand new episode of Colton Classic Podcast and this Friday to a mini-sode as always we come to you every Tuesday at 5 a.m pacific standard time uh, 8 a.m eastern standard time thanks so much play us out as always is the chud with all about evil Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Cult and Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com, where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.